And you can tell by this room, right? Like I, I can, I can definitely. I do. See I definitely that. like computing. Like I'm yeah. right into it. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, that's crazy. Was, well, you don't call it computing anymore. It used to be called computing. I know because my dad has the certificate in computing. Yeah. And yeah. he talked about it that it mm. used to be a thing that if you wanted to own a computer, like back in the '90s, mm. or like I'm gonna say he got into it like eight, late '80s, early mm. '90s, you had to be someone that was good at computing, and yeah. then they made it. Um, like a home desktop thing that everybody had. Yeah, it wasn't really accessible to no. everyone unless you were, um, um, you had to have be uh, literate in computer language. Yes, you did. Um, DOS is um, was the first sort of parameter that you ne really need to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, DOS would be, it's like Windows, but just with um, uh, cursors. Yeah. So there's no mouse. There's no mouse in there. It's all commands. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Or they had like a little trackball like this. Like my dad has yeah. this little one. It's like just one trackball. What do you do with this? Mm. What do you do, dad? <laughs> and you used to take it out like a little mothball and blow on it and then put it back in. Yeah, you had you know to clean. That? You also had to clean the wheels in there because yeah. there's wheels in there and they'd get gunk on them. <laughs> and it would change the sensitivity of your mouse and you'd have to clean them yeah. out. And it'd have all kind of dust and muck on there. Like, you know, yeah. imagine all the muck that you get on a keyboard after a long time. Oh, it's disgusting. It's all up in the mouse, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, but that was that was pretty cool technology. I remember yeah. like, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, it was DOS and it was Windows 3.1. That's when it really became accessible. The Mac OS became really accessible yep. for, for, for general use. This is before my time. Yeah, a but again though, it still was hard to access. All computers were like, mm. and I think that the reason why I ended up getting a Mac was because it was more marketed towards um, being able to have a higher graphics card, and they were they had a um, they were more well known for using stuff like Adobe. Mm. It was like the computer for people who needed graphics. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Clip art. Clip art. Yeah. Or my favorite. <laughs> Windows Movie Maker. Ooh, see, now we're getting into it. Windows Movie Maker, because this is about accessibility to making content. Yeah. Are we, are we rolling, by the way? Yeah, we're in. I haven't done... I, sometimes I do the intro later, because we just end up into it. Well, they, no one told me this. <laughs> if I had said, I wouldn't have been, like, just sitting here like some sloth. <laughs> I haven't even fixed my hair. Or oh, wow. Like oh, gosh. No, you look fantastic. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, I don't know. Here I am just sitting, talking so casually. But that's this is what the really, show is. That's what yeah, it is. I know. I, it, it, yeah. That's how casual the pagey train is. All of a sudden, you've got a drink. You're, you're on the yeah. train. And you're talking about, you know, computers from the 80s, you know. Yeah, this is, this is how you <laughs> this start, is how, like... This is how it goes down. <laughs> well, this is a good opportunity to do our intro. Yeah, let's do, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. And welcome to the Pagey Train. Today I have on the show with me, Prudence Bernadette, um, uh, you know, a uh, person extraordinaire and oh, YouTuber. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hello. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back on the show. I know it's been a big preamble. We got uh, we started nerding out there on computing. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's just, let's jump into your YouTube channel for a second. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, what's your origin story? Where did you, why did you get into YouTube? Yeah. Well, the reason why I got into YouTube was because I wanted a platform where I could produce my work and actually have it seen. Mm. So um, I started out with Please Stop Talking, which was this, uh, you know what, it actually used to be a webtoon. Mm -hmm. Does anyone know what webtoon is? Yeah, I, I think I know what a webtoon is. What it's, is what is a webtoon? Webtoon. It's webtoon. so crazy. It's made by this company called Line. Mm. And basically it's this like platform where you make um, like comics and then you post them. Okay, I think yeah. I think I've seen that this as a product, but not knowing it by name. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a thing, and I could not believe that um, you know, like it actually still comes up in some of my search results. Mm. Yeah, wow. Maybe, maybe maybe don't look at that, but yeah, um, <laughs> I know it's a very dead account, and um, yeah, so I started doing these. Like, I still got a MySpace, so you know. Do you? 
<laughs> MySpace. Yeah, I think it still exists. So that that's still out there, isn't it? MySpace, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I have a, I have a, a band page on MySpace and a personal page on MySpace. And do you still log in? No way. An update? No. Like your wall? No. And your top <laughs> your top friends? No, 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 <laughs> no, no way. I don't even remember how to get to there, but I'm pretty sure I looked it up like five years ago. It was still there. Really? Yeah, well, that's still there. They've turned off the service, haven't they? Though. Um, I'm not sure. Hey, Misty, can you look that up? Is yeah. uh, MySpace still out there? I'm pretty sure it is still out there. Yeah. I was archived. Hold on. Yeah, I'm pretty I sure it's out there. I thought that they were making an announcement that they were going to turn off the service for MySpace. Mm. So, hey, if it's still there. It would be worth money, though. Anyway, we've digressed. Uh, we're, anyway. We were talking about um, a webtoon. Web- yeah, yeah. So, I started with these um, webtoons and I used to, like, make them um, in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. And I had this... Um, Wacom tablet, like the old Wacom tablets. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think I paid for it in coins. (laughs) To be honest, like this is a while back. I paid for it in in coins. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I used to sit in front of the TV and I have a laptop and I would just draw on a Wacom. And um, yeah, and then I wanted to kind of see if I could animate. And animation, I guess... This is some proto, um, uh, you know, EFT sort of stuff, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like these are things that I uh, was just kind of self-taught. So yeah, I started making this animated series and um, that was just so I could see if it was something in my wheelhouse and mm-hmm. I wanted to expand my storytelling into a different medium. So it was about like, while doing that, like, yeah. uh, was it about like learning the technology and, and was it also about telling the story as well? Yeah, I mean, I've always been someone that likes to um, stretch my boundaries and I want to test my knowledge as well. Mm. And I thought, okay, I love animating. I can. It's really hard well. to animate. Yeah, yeah, trust me. It really is. Yeah, try animating with PNGs. (laughs) PNGs, okay, I'm not kidding you. Single frame PNG can be a pain in the ass. That is actually what I was doing. Okay, like thing is, right, I'm in predominantly like what I'm trained in is acting, directing and music. That's what Mm -hmm. I want to do in my career, right? Mm -hmm. And 100% like acting is my thing that I do probably the most out of my time. Mm -hmm. But the reason why this all kind of happened was I was in a bit of a slump in my career Mm -hmm. where, you know, at the age of... 21 i was like i'm nothing what am i to do (laughs) and what i did was i was like okay well you know in this downtime that i have Hmm. after uni i'm just gonna try and see what i can show for myself uh because i wasn't actually getting cast in anything Mm. um i wasn't really i didn't have any idea about the industry and it was a way of me throwing myself in putting myself in the deep end Mm. and making content yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah realized, and getting a foothold. Yeah, because the thing is, is I was like, well, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to make some stuff by myself. Mm. So what about we make an animated series? Like I was very inspired by, um, you know, South Park. Mm-hmm. Um, you would know that by Big Mouth. And I was like, well, a lot of actors get involved in doing these TV shows that are mm-hmm. cartoons. Um, very similar to one of the creators of Big Mouth um, had her own like snail series. Is mm. Is That's that MySpace? it. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. MySpace, still there. Marcel the Shell. That's yeah. his name. Yeah, That's wow. the name of the series. But yes. Yeah, okay. That's still it's still pretty active. Like, what's going on there? Is that new shit on MySpace? Yes, it says that it, it's, uh, it's far from dead here. and it has been revived in a little bit of retro. Wow, you learn something new every day. Oh my God. Yeah, far out. I'm blown away. Oh, well, can you do me a favor? Can you can you type my name into MySpace? <laughs> I already did, oh and let me tell you, you didn't come up. Oh, Have what I about- come- you may you may be yeah, one of those you ones. Maybe one of these guys. Can you type in um, Alpha Degenerate? Sure. 
Who's that? That's my... I had a band name on there. Alfred Degenerate. Alfred Degenerate? Yeah, yeah. Because we were like... We Al- had beards down to here. My hair was down to here. Oh, We'd wear nothing but... There it is! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Broke I can't it. believe it! <gasps> click click on that song. Yeah. This one? Yeah, Jesus. Holy hell. Oh, this is Liberate. I love this. Yeah, this is a nine minute, 43 second song. Nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, can you, can, will that play? Yeah. Surely. Sure. Yeah, can, yeah. Now, on, pl- click on the, yeah, yeah. Wow, this is going back into a server from like. A very long time, many moons ago. Many moons ago. I'm absolutely blown away. It doesn't look like it's going to play. You know, I yeah. caught. It's had 49 plays. Look at that. That's a popular, you know, MySpace stuff. Yeah, I think it was the, the song on someone's wall. <laughs> Over you know, years. I think it's crazy, right? Because I got mm. on MySpace when it was like dying. Mm. And it yeah, was that's like, when this happened, yeah. <laughs> that's when this happened. That's when the song was released. Yeah. Like your song released and I left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made a Facebook. <laughs> They've gone, yeah, we, we need to erase our standards. That's what happened. Oh, uh, yeah, it was like a music doing. thing, wasn't it? It was like a music website yeah it had it had that element to it so there was that social yeah. media element all that proto social media element to it and then facebook came out and then just ate the entire digital world right next to google i guess yeah um but yeah no they're they're myspace there you go kids is uh back in action go and uh make check it out yeah make an account and when you post your profile picture it has to be from this angle <laughs> like it has to be above your head and you have to be doing that yeah yeah you have to yeah, yeah, well, what do you, I, I suppose there's a, a few phrases you can think. You can think, oh my god, um, ruffles, ruffles, yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. You have to kick the saturation of the photo up to holy hell, and uh, make sure like the contrast is all the way down, mm. exposure all the way up. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then have like a, um, like comic sans over the top of it mm. like the photo edits this is like before instagram but anyway yeah okay well, <laughs> we, no, we we'll, digress yeah, we, we have, we have totally digressed uh, but we're talking about you know yeah. getting a foothold doing some content yeah um because i guess I, I do resonate with that like just wanting to make content like yeah. i was always someone that did voices um and all, all along the way i've always just ended up doing voice acting so yeah. something i've always fallen into love it um, it started on the schoolyard, you know, joking with people, making people laugh. Yeah. And then um, uh, there was yeah, that, that. There was a comedian that was out. I was, I was doing it. Be- I'm pretty sure I was doing it before this comedian, but he really brought it home. That was um, that Pablo guy. He does the American movie guy. Yep. Yeah, and he's like one man, one oh, desire in a world. In a world. Yeah. And um, like I can do that, and I started doing that, and then I have um, I actually did that for like TV and like doing Dude. promos. Yeah. Uh, doing promos for horror films and like doing these really kitschy, like you know, satiristic sort of scripts for them, yeah. and yeah, it's just it's just getting that foothold, and that opened up other places to do content, and you know, yes. becoming an editor. Yeah. Um, uh, what's your journey like being as an editor? Like, because you obviously put this content together. Yeah. Um, what's your platform, and how do you? What what, what drives you as an editor? Well, I think like honestly, I think that. The, the reason why I, I guess, like, diversified my skill set mm. is going to come back to me wanting to get an acting job. I think that's it's always going to come back to that. Mm. That I think I, I came to that realization that if you want to be an actor, yeah, you have to make your own content, but you also have to be someone that is 
willing to, in the beginning, you've got to make your own stuff. Yeah. You've got to be able to write something and it actually makes you in turn a better actor. If mm. you... that. That's Directing really, does make you a better yeah, actor. That's why I started totally editing does. because I, I got. That's why I started acting. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know I was going. I didn't know I was going to be doing uh, yeah. gigs like that, but now I do, and I, I yes. love it. That's that's exactly why, and I love hearing other people that also resonate with that because I was basically in every acting class or any casting session, I would always write down my feedback, mm. and on the feedback, I was starting to see a bit of a trend where it was like you're unaware of the camera, you're unaware of um, what the edit's going to look like, mm. you're not really understanding the tone, mm. and then. I put all that together and I was like, okay, well, maybe I start editing. What if I did some directing and maybe I'm going to start being good at that? Yeah, experience the problems that they go through yes. and that they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and not just, I didn't just want to ask somebody. I actually, I love getting hands-on with Being everything. immersed in it. Yeah, I really yeah, want to immerse myself and learn. And um, yeah, so I started doing that and I realized that I loved it because it meant that I was in control. Mm. It meant that I was no longer waiting for someone to give me a job. I was no longer saying, you know, this is the gatekeeper and they have to let me in and please give me a job. Mm. I'm now making my own stuff. Yeah, or I get asked to do stuff. And I get asked to do stuff. Yeah. It's And you know what, though? It's better than me sitting at home watching Netflix eating chips. Mm. Although would, that is fun. Oh, look, <laughs> I, I love that too, to be honest with I'm you. A, I'm a, chi- a corn chip person. Yeah, yeah. yeah and corn I love, chips and Netflix. It goes all right. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that new one, like Bad Vegan. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, because yeah. I'm vegan and I was like, obviously I need to watch this. Mm. It's about bad vegans. Okay. Embezzling money. But yeah, like <laughs> I digress. But yeah, that's why. Because I just, I want to, I want to make stuff. I want to mm. make film. I want to act. I want to direct. Well, I'm going to throw myself in. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to show the industry what I can do. Don't mm. just tell people. I'm going to show you what I can do. Mm. I mean, yeah. yeah. And be unapologetic about it. That's, I think that's a really good point. Is yes. that why, why, why do you need to say sorry for doing something that you like doing? No. And why do you, why why do you have to be uh, like another phrase that um, uh, we've picked up recently is being an unapologetic capitalist. I want to yes. make money off my art, man. I yeah. want to make. I want to. I, I, to break even's fantastic. Yeah. To make a profit is like you know out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. um, and, you know, and as an artist, you've got to create those different um, income streams. You've got to make different products. You've got to make different things and diversify. And they all they're all a positive feed loop that goes back into each other. Yes. And I, and I think that's what you're ta- really talking about. There oh, is yeah. is about one thing complementing the other. You are so correct, and I think that's why I'm always drawn to. Um, you know, organizations like Made in the West. Mm. I'm so drawn to it because it, it's it's a it's an odd industry, I guess, to be a part of. If you're on the outside world, you're going to look at what we do and think, how does this work? How do we make money? Mm. It's very confusing for people. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. It's difficult to make money in this industry. Yes. and You I need think, to know your way around. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is that it's not actually taught at film school how to actually make this a mm. career, how to actually monetize this mm. you just learn about the craft of it but no one actually told me about the the business side of the industry yeah well for me it was music that taught me the business yes. side of the industry yes because i was always me, in bands yeah well well that's how made in the west came about for me yeah. because I, I i you know i was a musician that went to film school yes and yeah. um when i when i was going through that i realized that um, the film industry has the same problem problem that the music industry has and that was the amount of platforms that are out there mm-hmm getting exposure and having local content. It's all overseas content. It's always, it's always, uh, or, or it's um, yeah. elitist content. Oh. And, you know, they, they had the same problem. And I, and I, by being in bands since I was 20, yeah, I learned how to deal with a venue. Yeah. I learned how to promote. I learned how to be an accountant. I learned how to be a lawyer. 
I learned how to be a promoter. I learned how to be a uh, musician. And I learned how to be a producer. I learned how to be a graphic artist. Love it. And I got to talk to everyone that is um, uh, from all of those levels in every aspect of the industry and figure out everyone has different desires, wants yeah. and needs. Yes. And I just uh, um, extrapolated that from what I learned in the music industry mm. into the film industry and then brought the positive things that I knew that were lacking. And that, you know, just providing a platform. That's yeah. what Maine the West is. It's about having a hangout where people meet and recognize each other. It's like yeah. a gig, right? It's like a music gig. Absolutely. You go to the gig and everyone sees your performance, right? Yes. And because film's more complex than that because there's people behind the scenes. Yeah. And the behind the scenes people also get a Guernsey, you know, they get to have that experience and yes. everyone gets to bring everyone along to show off what they've done. Yeah. And then along the way, there's also a competition where there is actually then rivalries between filmmakers going, oh, I can make a good movie. Oh, I can make a good movie. Oh, let's make a good movie, man. Yeah. You know? So all of that was built out of learning how to be a business person in an arts industry. Yeah. And you can't, yeah. you can't, you can't, I don't know many places you get taught that. I think that 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 was me being in a band for ten years, figuring that out. I I definitely can. I mean, to be honest with you, you've got the right person here to talk about this with. Mm. Uh, more than <laughs> honestly, like you are just speaking to the right person. I, um, it's one of those things for me where, for some reason, people seem to think that just because we're in arts and entertainment means that we're exempt from treating this like a business, and we're also exempt from following any rule book. Mm. They just think that we're just all doing our own thing. Um, when that's so far away from the truth. Yeah. It's so, so, so far away. Yeah. We are, we're really just going to work every day and grinding like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really unfair when people think that this is an easy, cushy job or it's, no. you know, something cushy. Look, I've heard it all. Trust mm. me. I have. Um, I mean, like we could, we can go down the rabbit hole with that conversation. Oh, definitely. Uh, even having just family support, like I'm going to go do an arts degree. Why are you doing that for? You know, yeah. uh, but uh, like at the end of it though, I've got to be really coy because like I started working at a TV station at the, the lowest, you know, job that I could get there, you know, I was I, an ingest operator and then in four years I was managing the TV station. I have so much respect for you though. And I worked my yes. butt off to do that. I worked for free for hours. I worked for, for days, weeks, months, even there's one job I did for free for a year. Yeah. And, um... I, the struggle is real. and the, I, It's a massive struggle. Yes, and I have so much respect for people that come out and they talk about that. Mm. I hate hearing stories. I really... It gets on my goat because you get these people that come out and they say, oh, I just did this one audition and the rest is history. Mm. And it's selling a very false idea of success to a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's that notion of an overnight success. Oh, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, man. Oh. It's just that you have heard about them today. Please. Uh, there's a, there is there is ten yep. years behind a, a, an overnight success, and and don't get me wrong, there's people that have um, certainly accelerated and and gotten you know a, yep. a great velocity out of an exposure moment. Yes. Um, but a lot of work went into be, behind that. Absolutely. Um, the education, the experience, the networking. Yeah, and if you think that you know you're going to walk into the industry and just do that one thing that you're trained for, I think I even spoke about this last time that mm. you're not going to. Do you know how many people that I have met that are, mm. are brilliant actors and they've said, "Oh yeah, I wrote that, I directed that, mm. I edited that." So many music producers, like I'm a big fan of, like you know Grimes. I mm. love her. She produces her own stuff, and that's what I want to be. I want to be someone that wants to endlessly collaborate and work with other people and share my skill set with others. Yeah. I'm not here to just keep it to myself. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I like getting into the yeah. position of being a hired gun. I love being in that position where they, someone goes, oh, I've got yeah. this deficiency in this film and I know that you can fill this void. Love it. And I, I, I either do that as a Foley artist or I do that as an actor. I do that as a producer or I do that as an editor. I do that as a sound operator. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm prepared to do anything on someone's film if they enroll me in the idea. Love it. You know, um, uh, but, you know, directing for me is the juice. I love directing. Me too. Um, I love oh. directing other people's content. I love directing my own content. Mm-hmm. Both are different beasts. So if you guys are out there that are thinking about directing, obviously direct your own story first. It's probably the easiest port of call. Yeah. Um, but um, if you have an opportunity, direct someone else's work because um, you've got to then translate their vision into your skill set to make the movie. Yep, I did that. And that's that, exactly what how I got that's in. That's an amazing journey to do. Oh, yes. And then that makes you a better actor because an, an actor is about linking an emotion or a, um, an emotion in you to a fictitious moment where you're bringing something real into something unreal. Yes. And um, by directing those moments and working with people and finding their vision and their collaborative um, perspectives, it gives you a unique perspective. Um, yep. I went to go... Uh, my, my objective of being an actor long ago was to be in other films so I can see how other directors work because oh, okay. I go I know how I <laughs> how I direct and go but then most the cool directors I know this is this gonna sound weird and it, I, I just yeah one of the one of the coolest directors I worked with was Maria Tran big shout out Maria Tran yeah and um I realized she had a very similar style to how I direct a movie very consultative um talks to um uh, and trusts people's decisions yes you know, um, actually, a, you know, a, a thick collaborative environment where you surround yourself with people that know what they're doing and you, you allow them to be them. Yep. Uh, you just give them the, the uh, you just give them the yardsticks. The, I need you to act between this point and this point. The rest is yours, man. You know? Okay. I yeah. think we, we might have a few differences there, but you know, like <laughs> I what like you're that. directing though. Well, the thing is, I like to hear that because that's the, you know, that's the opposite to me. Cause I, I think that, um, as an actor, Mm. I, I probably don't like that much freedom, I guess. Um, I love to hear, you know, um, I like to work very closely with the director and see what their vision is. Um, but if they say, go ham, I'm going to do completely my own thing. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, no, I guess that, well, that's what those yardsticks are for. Okay. I, I, this is the emotion that I'm, this is the, this is the situation that you're in. Yeah. And this is, the, this is the emotion I want you to anchor to. Okay. And if you can find something in your life that's similar to that, you know, um, get those stuck together. And then um, I need you to make this person feel this way. Okay. Um, I need you to say these three things specifically, but how you glue them together, if it gets a little, if you say an and rather than an is, I don't really care. Ooh. I just like... Ooh, you continuity know, is like deep breathing. <laughs> well, it depends how it's written as well. It depends on the content, but um, the, real, the real freestyle stuff I like is um, finding those yardsticks with an actor. Allow, giving them something to work with, giving them an emotion to work with, yeah. a reason to work on it. So why they're doing it, yes. like what the, what motivates the the, the character, and um, where how I want you to transcribe that emotion to the other actor. I want you to make them feel like this. Um, uh, oh, okay. So that's that's one thing I found um, is pretty helpful for for um, for an actor. Give them give them um, as much information as you can about what that character is in that moment. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah, I think that's a very interesting approach. I think um, kind of giving them that that amount of information. Um, I I would never depends what it is though. Yeah, I think it depends on um, the scene. Maybe mm. for me, um, normally when I'm 
directing somebody, I think, yeah, I'm the same about um, giving them the the amount of backstory as I can mm-hmm. into it. Um, but I like to direct an actor the moment before. Mm-hmm. So I like to set them up for um, either the moment before they enter. So mm-hmm. that way they're as raw as you can possibly get them. Mm-hmm. And they've done the prep. And then by the time they enter, they're already into the scene. And that way I can avoid doing, you know, Wow. Six takes of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, well, I saw a couple of um, directors that I, oh, sorry, really admire, and um, they were doing the same thing. Okay. They're, they're prepping their actor in the moment before, mm. and um, I find even for myself that's how I practice. I don't just direct the same way, mm-hmm. um, direct one way and act another. I try and um, integrate that into my own work and my own practice. Well, you will see that on a set where an actor is like working with themselves. Yeah. Oh, yes. Before the before the fact. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're, what you're saying is that you get them at that moment. Yes. I like to always look at the moment before mm-hmm. and the moment afterwards. But I try... Definitely do the moment afterwards. The How you how it, how it it's going down depends who you're working with. But then I have a, method, a few methodologies I go through after oh. a scene. I think sometimes... Oh, okay. This will be interesting then because... Mm. After the scene has finished and I think we've done the takes, I like to do a bit of a come down mm. as in we talk about something happy and mm. we, we we shake the character off. This is really cool. Because sometimes the character gets very close to us. Yeah. Especially myself when I've done a, a few very, very heavy scenes on myself. Mm. And um, when I'm trying to get out of it, I'm already in her headspace still. Mm. And I have a bit of a ritual. I make myself a bubble, like a nice hot bubble bath. Yeah. And I've got to sit down, I've watched a nice happy movie mm-hmm. and I get my myself back to baseline Prue, mm. back to myself, a yeah, clear wow. head because it's very, very difficult when you go into some of these um, psyches. Very, yeah, very absolutely. Because uh, if you're taking someone into a, especially a dark, a dark role. Oh, yes. Um, yes. There is, there are mo- those moments that, um, you know, you have to ease them down for sure. Yeah. You got to, you got to talk them back down from the ledge that you've just put them on. Yes. Well, it's a serious yeah. thing, you know, because yeah. I think um, I'm also a scene partner to somebody mm. and it's also my responsibility as a scene partner to help them come off the ledge. Mm. I'm not going to just say, okay, have a nice life. Bye. Right. And leave. Yeah. Yeah. You Thanks know? for that. That was a good take. All right. Next, next scene. Yeah. Because yeah. that person has obviously had to bring up a deep fragility for them deep in their, in their soul, in their psyche. It's mm. possibly the thing that makes them who they are. And, I respect that they have trusted me to go that far into a character with me. Yeah. So I often try and make sure that that person and I are at least, you know, at a, at a good friendship level. So they feel comfortable going there with me mm. and they know it's not going to go any further. Yeah. Well, that's the thing as well. I, I think before, yeah. before a shoot, I like to get the crew together to socialize before yeah. we do the shoot. Love just it. so they get to know each other as people. Yes. Before you, you know, instead of putting just people together where they've just met at a rehearsal, mm-hmm. I'd like to go do something um, that's sociable. Beautiful. Um, where they can get acquainted. Because yeah. um, when they get acquainted that way, that way they can read each other better from when we go to do the job. Yes. And we get to, and then also have a bond as well, you know, have a couple of beers, have a, you know, have a, um, have a schnitty, you know, my oh. ultimate, my ultimate dream actually is to yeah. be doing a tropical film and going, right, we're going to meet at the beach the week before. Right. So get everyone to the beach. Okay. Um, I want, um, <laughs> we'll have a beach party. We'll get acquainted. Then we'll go shoot the movie. That sounds like a great idea. Can mm. I, can I work on that movie? I'd yeah. love to do that. Yeah. Like well, beach that's, party that's my dream for a feature. I want to, I want to, if I'll get people, if I ever do a feature uh, of that magnitude, 
I want to get everyone acquainted so we can go and tackle that thing because I want to push everyone to do a hard job, but I want to thank them before they do it and after they do it. That's, that's, that's part of that experience dream that I have for making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but getting people acquainted is really important. Uh, rehearsals are super important. I'm big on rehearsing. Um, love rehearsing. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you don't want to overdo it because you've got to get the, like you say, you don't want to do six takes on a, on a scene. Yeah. You, want to do, you want to do three to four max you get it in three that's great they call it um in film in film language um uh, film ratio i i know what you're speaking of yeah well they used to well before it was about celluloid film because you'd have so many film canisters so you don't want to burn them all up right because they're they're, uh, consumable yeah and everything was limited yeah you can't do unlimited takes yeah now well even with data man because some of these films that, that shoot in high resolution it's still expensive to so as soon as you hit the button, you've got then a, a data economy going on there. You yeah. don't want to overshoot it because then you've got to wrangle all that data. Absolutely. Or imagine doing like a, a 3D movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 3D wow. movie and you've, and you've stuffed up all the like 20 takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess though, coming back to, you know, voice acting, I think, I think that's my ratio. I try to do three to four, three to four takes on a voice acting gig. Ah. Yeah. I'm at a solid five. Yeah. I always say to myself, if I'm doing a self-tape or if I'm working on a scene, I'm going to do it five times. Mm. And if I don't come in hot on the first take, I know that I haven't done enough prep with myself. Mm. And normally my prep is the thing that takes me a long time, especially like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, um, whenever I'm coaching, sorry, whenever I'm in a coaching session um, with my coach or if I'm, let's just say, about to shoot a self-tape, the prep takes me about an three hours Mm. because I've really got to get there and it starts from the moment I wake up I normally wake up like three or four for for those kind of days when I'm when I've got a work day on and I know that I have to bring it Mm. I got to wake up and get in that headspace straight away yeah like oh wow it starts with the makeup it starts with um my hands and my behavior and Mm. how does she hold her ring how does how does this person sit what's their where's the weight in their body Mm. how especially with the voice because I think that my voice sounds, um, it's a little bit too enunciated, I think, for some. Uh, some of my characters that I play. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, this person's going to talk like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, more like me, for instance. No, where not I, more like you. Well, I had no. someone, I had someone yeah. once that said that my accent was quite rural. I have a quite rural accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's it's appropriate, I guess, to say, oh, you've got this kind of accent. Because I always worry. You know, is that well, you have, you is would, that? No, I would say that you have a very proper accent. You have Me? A ve- yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Definitely. I, I sound like the queen when I'm like, someone, <laughs> it's, it's true, right? But it's a quite pleasant voice. Oh, you, thank you, you very much. You can't go past that. Um, <laughs> I have an announcer's voice. I think I'm like, you know, be there, be there, be there. You, you do know? sound like that. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when someone, um, I leave a message on someone's phone, they go, oh, was that the queen or was it Prue? I'm like, hello, <laughs> lovely to speak with you. Have a nice day. That's okay. Most people think that Misty was British when I first brought her over to uh, the East Coast. I, I kind of could, I could get that. Yeah. Like, okay. is your, is your wife English? I'm like, no, she's Australian, man. <laughs> Oh, okay. So yeah. she, she wasn't from overseas. West Australia. West Australia. Oh. West is very different. Western Australia. <laughs> yeah, it was a different country for two years. You, you know, you needed a passport to get there. Um, but <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> getting too political there. Too political. Shout out to all my West Australian friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as we like to call them, Perthlings. Yes. Yeah. Perthlings. Become in peace. Um, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, oh, man, you've totally um, blown my mind. Um, Why? Why is that? Just going through the journey of what a, you know, um, anchoring to an act, anchoring to an uh, to a role. The way that you've described anchoring yourself to the role and the transition of that and yes. and, and going through that. Like when, from my limited experience as an actor, I, yeah. I've gone and done things where I go, all right, I've thought about it the day before or at rehearsal going, I need to... Yeah, well, one of them was I, had, I was in a kung fu movie, so I had to do like fight okay. choreography. Okay. Yes. And um, I was thinking about my moves. How do I do my moves and the timing? How I react with my uh, um, uh, um, co-actors and how I get into this fight and remembering it's just like a dance, right? Yes. Okay. Got to remember your moves. Okay. And then you know, okay, so this is this scene where I do the first compartment of these moves, and then we're gonna have to do do it from the other angle. So I'm gonna have to do it six times. So, you know, you know, you've got three takes on that one, three takes on that one, get to the next scene. Uh, okay, yep, okay. And then, you got your, and then you got your line delivery as well. So, I had to do, I had a monologue and this is my first monologue in a movie. Yes. And monologues are terrifying. No. They it's can a, be. No, it's If you haven't done one before, if it's your first monologue, I'm telling you, it's terrifi- I was terrified. And I, I, I got it done in four Okay. Four takes. Very good. But my next monologue I got done in two takes. So when I got no, going... You're showing off. No, but here's the Wait. thing. But the warm-up beforehand, what you're talking about is really intriguing for me because if I was talking to the director beforehand, okay. I reckon I would have got that first one done in less takes. Yes. you. Yeah, you probably would have. I think that... Because I was warming up on the first two and I was trying to find the rhythm and trying to get my head into the space of this person. Okay. And then I connected with it. And then I delivered it because then I became it. Okay. You know what I mean? That's very common though. I think that's very common. I mean, I, I'm very, very serious about the way I take my acting mm. and the way I take my directing. And it's something that I, I don't, I, I, you know, I just, I haven't really spoken about this with anybody mm. ever. So this is the first time I'm really talking about this. Yeah. Wow. Because, you know. Well, what? thank you. I'm glad that, I'm glad that you feel open on the page of I really do. And you want to know why? Like, I'm also, I have no filter and I'm extremely honest with people because I don't I believe. as well. Yeah. But <laughs> I just, I don't believe in holding back. Mm. Holding back. You know what that does? It holds everybody back. Yeah. So I'm just extremely honest when I say the reason why I've never spoken about my acting is that a lot of people have said that I take my craft too seriously mm. and they've put me down over that. No, I think and what you're doing is fantastic. Well, they, they say to me, oh, who do you think you are talking about your acting like it's so serious? Huh? I mean, I, I go to uni and I study something real. You know, those those dinner conversations. Yeah, I definitely uh, understand what you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah and it, it got to the point where I was like, well, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And I was very in my shell. Mm. And I think talking about this right now, I'm in, my, I'm in my zone and I'm unapologetically speaking of this. Yeah, totally. I think yeah. your methodology and approach is is inspiring. Oh, God. Oh, I'm like, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm totally gleaning off this. I'm like, okay, so next time I do a role, I'm going to sort of work on it. I've, I've already started thinking about how I'm going to approach my next role without even reading a script you know well, what I mean yeah, like so I, just changing my methodology and approach you've already you've oh, changed me thank you I, actually I'm one of those people that loves everything in document form like I love to have <laughs> I do I do I, oh gosh I know someone else like that <laughs> yes I love to make a nice template like honestly I've got like a word. oh now you're talking my language templates oh I, I love know. a good template oh my god speak my language yeah template then repeat no more work I just got to fill in the spaces do you know what that's love exactly it. how I think and I, 
I work I, smart, not hard. Work smarter, not harder, man. Like that's how I live. And you know what? Is that with um my templates, right? I have everything, and it kind of looks a bit like a, a clown's book or like a joke book because everything is coloured and like <laughs> yeah, everything is. It's all um like colour coded and stuff. You're you're like a mixture of two people I know and myself. <laughs> perfect, perfect. That that's exactly what I love to hear. Yeah, colour coded, huh? Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm dyslexic, so I have to have everything so color-coded, man. Yeah. Like, everything is purple. My my screens are tinted purple. Mm. Um, I wear purple shoes. Purple's, like, one of the easiest colors for me to see. Yeah, okay. But, yes, and it, that's, like, a fun fact. Yeah, okay. Everything, yeah, I'm, like, super ADHD and dyslexic. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can understand the dyslexia sort of things. I'm, I think the, the way I got over that was, because um, uh, I'm a little bit dyslexic myself, I, I uh, read aloud, what I yes. do. Okay. That's how you fix that. Oh, you, you can't totally fix it. The words will always jumble on you. Mm-hmm. You'll always lose your space because uh, that's what dyslexia does. You lose your space because you're like, ah, oh, shit, I've got to go back. Yeah. That's pretty much what happens. Uh, but reading out loud sort of um, uh, gives you a bit of a callus for that, I guess. That's the way to describe it. Oh yeah, yeah it depends. Oh, I don't know. Like it depends on the person and how they how they learn. Mm. I'm I'm quite bad. Mm. Um, but you know, like it depends on who you are. But I think um, yeah, like I've got a lot of templates and stuff for my acting, and I always have you know at the very st- um, top of the page mm. magic if, and I ask myself great. like as in what if my character didn't walk into this bar, mm. and it's allowing me to think in the character's brain and really sit in her and ask okay well what would she have done realistically Mm. and i i like to also you know ask if i can ask the writer Mm -hmm. or i make um i have to fill in the gaps but as much as i can i do like to um always go back to the text because Mm. if the text is my textbook Mm. and that is where all the information it's like a roadmap to success for the actor everything Mm. that you need is on the page and very rarely do I have to fill in the gaps with something that isn't there. Mm-hmm. But I think before a scene, it's good to get into that creative space where you can start to think freely in her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're thinking um, so freely. I like to get out of my head into hers and make sure that I'm ready to play. Mm. I'm in that play space because mm-hmm. I can't choreograph this. I, I can't have anything in, a, in, in my body. I, I can't say hand here, arm there. Mm. This has to be completely her mm. and you have to be functioning. It's like you're, you're operating, you know, yeah, yeah. you're a machine and we're going to operate mm-hmm. as that person and it's so natural. Yeah, totally. You know, it becomes very natural. Yeah, I, was, I, I, was, um, I went to a, um, a uh, cocktail party. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Birthday cocktail party, yes. uh, which was a murder mystery. So I was the CEO from a pharmaceutical company Oh. And I tried to stay in character the most yeah. as as I could, and I realised I was having an effect on the party because the, I was talking to two people, and they started adapting my British accent, oh my which I God. thought was hilarious. Um, yeah, I was channeling. You ever see the IT crowd? Yes, I have. You know Renton? Yes. Father. So I was acting like Renton all night, <laughs> and wow. it was it was absolute it was an absolute blast, okay. and and it lifted. It was there was other people doing it as well. And that, that us just being characters and taking on the role in that you know social space, yeah. totally lifted the room. Everyone's having a good time and really getting into it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that when you've got an actor in a scene and they're 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 committed, mm. they are committed to that role, and they are going to dive headfirst into this, and they're believing mm. what is on the page. Then it's infectious, you know. Mm. 
That's okay. all, yeah, I know. I keep doing that. I, I'm just so excited. But as soon as we start to talk about everyone, does the mic bumps. Even I do it. Yeah, you do. I do. I usually do the chin one. Okay, I do that one. That's me. I, 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 oh my god, that's go. literally going to be me. Like, <laughs> the awkward. I've now put the idea there. I've now put the idea there. No, you're going to put a hex on me. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I wouldn't put a hex on you. <laughs> yeah, love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think that um. We, I love committing to a scene. I love mm. it when people commit. I love to see um, an actor th- leave it all on the stage. Mm. And I also think it's so respectful as an audience member too when I'm watching that to be present with them. Yeah, totally. And it transcribes. It totally does. It does. I, yes. Yeah, but I, I think as a director, I've, pu- I've pushed people really far when, when I was uh, in my first few films. Because mm. I'm so driven to get a story done and to try and do it on time. Like I was, yeah, I remember I was, I was in the desert, um, doing this. I was, uh, it was a revenge fantasy film. Okay. And we're in the desert, and um, uh, I had two, three actors, one child actor, and two actors, and um, they were, uh, one was torturing the other in the middle of the desert, and I ended up being three in the morning, still shooting. We'd been shooting for seventeen hours, and my cinematographer, go, cinematographer goes to me, dude, we need to wrap. I'm like, but then we have to do this tomorrow night. It goes, then we do it tomorrow night. We have to wrap. It's, two in, it's three in the morning. Was that the child actor in that scene? Yeah. The child actor? 17 yeah. hours? Yeah. Oh, no, he was oh. there for the end of the day. I was going to say 17 hours. Like, oh, my but God. But the other two, I had them all day. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, the, the other yes. actor, he was that was his um, son. So oh, okay. that, that, he was looking after his boy. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, I didn't hire someone and then, you know, drive them to insanity. I just did that with my friends. Um, but yeah, I just, I, re- I learned a lesson from that is like, you can't, just because I'm super driven, doesn't mean that I have to put other people through that. You've got to know your limits. You know, yeah, I've, um, recently learned that mm. I, I have done quite a bit of work in team leadership and project management. And that's cause I, I just love having a formality about work. Mm. Um, and I love also looking into, um, other industries such as engin- you know engineering and stuff like that mm. where um or retail and i always look at well how do they project manage like even ecom how mm-hmm. do they project manage their um their staff how do they project manage their company mm-hmm. and i've kind of taken all of that on um the last couple of years yeah, and okay. i've had to learn about those different personality I'm a project types. manager oh are you yeah oh i love that <laughs> yeah yeah and i've had to learn about um different personality types mm-hmm. and sometimes like if i don't understand somebody it's really great to get people to do a personality type test. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all like, personality based, right? This is all, And yeah. that's, that, that's what I was talking about. Like, you know, I was, I was a second year film um, director. Yes. And I was making this film and I was out in the desert. I managed to get some budget together. We drove out to the middle of nowhere. Um, the car broke down in the middle of the desert on a long weekend. And that killed our budget because we had to go get a tow on a long oh, weekend. No. Killed the budget. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I realized, yeah, cause that, cause that's what a film is. It's project management. Uh, yeah. and you're facilitating a whole bunch of roles and a whole bunch of different people. Yeah. And, uh, what I learned from, from that and being a project manager is you got to know, um, and that's why union rights are sort of there, right? Is to make sure that you don't push people too far because it's dangerous. You need to yes. allow people, yeah, you need to allow people to sleep. You need to allow people to eat. You, and that's what I learned. Like, every time I do a film set now, everyone's fed. Everyone's, like, not that I didn't take water to the desert. But, and everyone was fed, I assure you. Big shout out to Ben and Chinny, actually. Oh, my God. 
I'm, t- I'm telling a horror... Uh, this turned into a film confession horror story. This is like turning into confession. <laughs> I, forgive me for I have worked people... I've worked people near, near... Yeah, in the middle of the desert. Now I'm ready to die in <laughs> the middle of the desert. just like... Why are we doing this story? No, these guys, these guys know me. They still love me. They came to my well, wedding. Well, I'm glad they still love you. They still love me. They came to the wedding, so they must have been right. But, um, <laughs> but I guess yeah, it's project management. You can't you can't push people too far. You got to know that um, you you need to get to get the most production out of them. They they need to be happy and they need yeah. to want to be there. Exactly. I think yeah. that I I have to realize that not everybody is going to be a pro. And mm. that's okay. Mm. That's totally fine. But I get what you mean. That's why I'm sort of resonating with yeah. what you're talking about being serious. People go, "You're taking this too seriously, man." Yes. And that's what. Yeah. And I understand that 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 perspective. Oh yeah, you know, like I, I'm like, I will die for the art, and yet not a lot of people. I'll die going, on this hill for this. Yeah, yeah, I will die on the hill of like the art, which you know, <laughs> is that is that obvious or not? But yeah, yeah. Oh well, well, if you get, look, just make sure I die in a good position so you can get a good shot of it. You know. Yes, just, and on my good side too. Yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah, um, to draw, to be driven that way, and to take things that seriously, and to be focused, because that's that's what we're talking about, right? It's focus. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm quite obsessive. You know, I get obsessive about things. I learn when I start learning about things, I just I dive into them. Yeah, me too. Um, and I just want to know everything I can about it so I can get everything done. But it always comes around for me back to content creation, making songs, yes. writing stories, making movies, making podcasts, you know. And it's the staying, staying creative. I think that if you're going to sit and wait, then you're going to be really cold by the time anything comes up, like an audition. Mm. And if the audition comes up and you're feeling really cold and you can't really get into character, it's because you're not stretching that muscle. Mm. This is a muscle memory-based career. And it doesn't matter if you're not in a play at the moment. Then write one. And then you're going to develop that skill even further. And think about how rare that would be. I mean, directing a project, I would love to have an actor come up to me like that. Mm. And I think when I sat on, on a director's like audition table and I went oh my god now I understand mm. I understand auditioning they are wanting me to come in I mm-hmm. used to think everybody hates me I'm no no you, you want them to do good you want them to do good yeah yeah and I and I've started coming into the room saying you know what I'm gonna get this yeah I, I'm here to show you would you like fries with that yeah. here is my performance <laughs> and I am ready yeah I look yeah. I just yeah I I, I, I find it's it, acting is like one of the hardest, easiest things you can do. Like when you get into the zone, it's easy, but it's really hard to get there. Oh, really? It's the hardest, easiest thing you'll ever do. I, I feel like this is this is my zone. Yeah. This is my area. Step into my office, baby. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Oh, like I don't, I don't know. I, I used to think that it was a really hard thing to get there. Mm. I used to. Mm. And then when I started doing my warm up and my practice every day, it got easier and easier because I made shortcuts mm. to these places. That's what, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's it's like a toolkit, right? But to go to that toolkit, it was hard. Don't don't be scared. Don't fear mm. because what you resist persists. Yeah, you know it's only going to stay there. Mm. I feel like if you do, you mean like are you talking about like going from a cold? body in the day just no i'm talking about like um okay so you've never acted before okay and then you go all right i want to be an actor 
And then you've got to go learn everything it takes to be an actor. And then you go and find a script. Study a script. Studying a script can be really hard. To, to find the what it means in context and to remember your lines. And then you've got to then perform that yes. in a collaborative space, which is also very hard. But when you do that more and more, it becomes easier it and does. easier. It so does. what I mean is it's the yeah. hardest, easiest thing you'll ever do. I, I Yeah. And you know, when there's creative Because when you get there, it's like, it's great. But yes. it's, it's hard to get there. It's hard to get your education and your understanding. Yeah, because I think that when you're in a collaborative environment, unfortunately, not everyone is going to agree because all art is subjective. Mm. And when you're, I guess, in front or behind the camera, you're going to unfortunately have a lot of people, um, they might get a bit tense. Mm-hmm. And it's going to show on your actor's face. And mm-hmm. that's why I like to keep everyone, let's just keep calm. Yeah, It's going to get done. Yeah, uh, I like. You gotta be. Oh, like that's what I do on set. I think I go. I think I. Um, I talk quietly and I carry a big stick. Um, what does that mean? It means I'm. <laughs> I means I've got to. I've got to appear to be scary, but never ever be scary. Yes, it's that firm. You know, it's I'm a balance. It's a paradox. Yes, but firm. Yeah, don't fuck this up because I'm going to get upset. But you have the freedom to fail. Yes. <laughs> you know yes. What I mean? that, oh, yes. Don't don't screw this up. But you got to give people the freedom to fail. Yes, I you have to. You know what though? It That's doesn't trust. matter. It's about trust. Oh yeah, and I. You know what? Is failure really that bad? No. So what? We're gonna do it again. Yeah, well, that's right, so but it, it depends. I don't know. I know. I have, but I have had the seventeen takers before. Seventeen. Yeah, my, my worst one was seventeen takes that I had someone doing. I go, we got it. We've got it. I'm like, I'm just going to change the scene. So yeah. that happen. You don't want to hear, you know, after the 17th, like someone yell out, we'll fix it in post. Yeah. Oh God, man. Uh, no, everything in post is planned unless it's a repair. Oh God. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be just fixing the whole movie. It's one of the things I do a lot of. I repair a lot of people's movies, man. They send me, they send me the broken part of their movie and I fix it. I love hearing about that because I've heard that that's how you become a better musician when you mm. when you've got to fix someone else's Hard awful harmonies. Yeah. So please tell me about fixing somebody's mistakes. Okay. I'd love to know. Oh well, there's a there's a whole um, suite of reasons why someone's films failed. Yes. Okay. Okay. So the most common one for new uh, for new filmmakers is they didn't do their file management, mm-hmm. so they didn't clap their scenes. So a lot of what I've done is. Yeah, so you've experienced this, right? I'm actually feeling a bit sick, but I know this feeling. Because it's a lot of work. You Syncing understand dialogue, the... yeah. And yeah. then you've got to go and sync it all, right? This and is my it's first... unreferenced. Yes, my first dialogue, um, my first film that I ever did was like that too. Yeah, so I'll get, I'll get someone that will bring me unreferenced material. Mm-hmm. So they'll have all the audio files, they'll have all of the uh, video files, yep. and they don't know A to B. They go A to B to C to D. They have no idea what that content is. Yeah. All they may have... Um, but this, but the thing is, I can look at content um, from a data point of view and understand. I go, give me a shooting schedule. Tell me when you shot it. Show me the, show me your shooting schedule. They go, we shot this on day one. I go, great. And even if they didn't set the date in their camera, I can then work out well what date did it start on. So then I've got a time signature when they've made it. Because then I've got then a loose direction of what day was what. Yes. And then I can go through and then go, oh, he says this here and then it gets fast. As you do that process, it gets faster and faster and faster. Yep. So then I organize their film so then it's ready to be edited. So that's one thing that I do. It's really that pre-work. 
You know, yeah, you yeah. had to do so much pre-work to do that. Props to you. Organize oh their con- Yeah, goodness. so organizing content that is yeah. unreferenced is one thing that I do. Um, yeah. uh, bridging sound is the other most frequent thing that I do. So um, they've had a sound, they've had a point in their film where there is a bridge, there is a miss of sound. Yes. Uh, audio failure, um, mic failure, something usually of that nature. Or it was a mic pop. They were in the wind and the mic wasn't on. They've only got a camera mic. And they only had it for 30 seconds. The rest of their film's fine. It's just that 30 seconds. So I'll, I'll go and build that whole soundscape and then integrate it into their film so that no one will know that that sound's missing. I am so intrigued. Yeah. That was me. That's been me. I was working on a project a few weeks ago and I'm scoring it for somebody. Yeah. And it was the same thing, you know. Um, for some reason, it was just a very windy day and I... I a, lot of, a lot of bla- mic blasts on it. Yeah. It was literally like they were standing on top of a mountain. Yes. And like yep, that, yeah. and it didn't matter how much high end or low end you could cut out of that. Yeah, there's no removing it. it You've got to rebuild it. It sounded literally like a, an old radio. Mm. And I, I mean, the only thing I could really do with it is, I guess, work with the wind. Um, but it's all it's all worked out now. And that's, that's how we get good at things. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what I do, though. Yeah. So if someone will give me that sound file, well, not that sound file, they'll give me that little bit of footage. I don't even need the um, uh, HD version of it. I just need a, a proxy yeah. video line of it. Don't even need a big file. I just need uh, the actual finalized edit what that is of yeah. that of that one section i only usually ask for a minute before and after so with the wind get, with yeah. wind or oh no no but they would generally have their mics on and off and they'll build their own soundscapes okay. but they'll just have one gap and uh, i do do soundscapes for for full films as well so i'll build their entire soundscape their whole um a wizard yeah and then do their adr but uh that's a very that's why i don't mind like doing the foley is like acting the film again Yes, it is. It's totally like it's acting on a mic. Um, so a lot of stuff I do is on a mic. So um, uh, voice acting, Foley work. And this is how I bridge things together. Data bridges for people. Um, rescue edits is another one I do. They just give me their edit and go, can you tidy this up? And I'll tidy it up for them. Yep. So that's that's a, a pretty moderate money spinner, actually. I'll get about um, three or four of those a year. Yeah. I, I totally understand. And you know what? It takes a very special person to be able to do that because, you know, you've mm. also got so much empathy for the filmmaker or the actor that comes up to you. Yeah, you just didn't understand at the time. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, the, the project I was working on, they didn't know that the that the audio was going to be that windy. Mm. We didn't know that any of that was going to happen. And I just, I have so much empathy for for going through that. And yeah. we're, all gonna, we're all here to work with each other. We're all here to get a project done and... At the end of the day, um, we were happy with the piece of art that we've created. It's mm. so collaborative. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, yeah, patching up things with people yeah. and and going on those collaborative um, journeys with people, going on your own as well. And mm. I think being in, a, in in bands has has helped that with me, because um, uh, you've got to collaborate with another a whole bunch of other musicians, right? And music is a language. You've got to start speaking each other's language and figuring each other out to, to um, riff and then arrange, then produce, mm. perform a song. It's not, and I still don't think music is universal. Mm. I've never thought that because um, if you look at speaking to a, I guess, like a metal composer or a classical composer, they are going to have to do a lot of work in understanding that genre and how and what makes it um, sound the way it does. Because mm. it's a, 
definitely a language. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's something that you have to encode, decode. Yes. Um. So that's yeah, and and but again though, for me, I find the similarities between for my life, it's really bizarre. Like I find the similarities between mus- music and filmmaking, music production, uh, film production. They're different things, but they have a lot of similarities. The egos are similar as well. Like a guitarist is very much like a uh, cinematographer. Uh, a drummer is very much like an editor. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Yes. Um, a lead singer is definitely like a director. Yes. Uh, those there, those personality. It's as a generalization. There's probably exceptions to the rule, of course. Who's the bassist? The bassist. Oh, they're this. They're the uh, um, audio guy or the um, uh, or the grip. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, the bassist and the drummer are always besties. So yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I just find those similarities and personalities and and performance because without a good cinematographer, there's no one leading the film. Without a good director, there's no one leading the film. Without a good actor, there's no one leading the film. Like, there's a whole bunch of people that lead and need to have their um, egotistical right in there because ego has um, a, a positive effect up to a point. It's when people are over-egotistical that, that becomes a problem, right? Yes. Um, so you, you do need a little bit of ego and confidence to get your job done. You need to go, I'm a good director, I'm going to go do this thing. And yes. that's your ego speaking, right? Um, you need that. That's a requirement. But um, I'm the best at what I do <laughs> is a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Unless you are the actual best. I mean, there isn't a, the best. What is even the best? Mm. Do we have to define the best? It's going to be so subjective as to what somebody thinks. Mm. And um, yeah, I think... I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's ego, I guess. Mm. Or if it's people just caring so much about the craft yeah well, i always yeah, ask yeah. myself that is it the craft is it ego i i i get stuck in there as well like because it's a bit of a paradox like art creation is a selfless act yes it is uh but it's also a selfish act how so well i, I love sorry. directing in a movie because i love directing a movie because because it makes me feel good yeah it does but i like to entertain people mm. so it's a paradox like one's a selfish thing One's a selfless thing. Like uh, I'll go through all of the, I'll go through a lot of extremes to entertain somebody because I like to entertain people. Yes. But it makes me feel good. Okay. Yeah. So that's the selfish part of it. So I'm selfish because I like it. I I agree that there is there's always going to be a a point in this career that we're all in where we start to look internally mm. and we're going to start. Um, I don't know, I guess, criticizing ourselves for doing something that is selfish, mm-hmm. I think. Because often I, I think to myself, well, let's say there is mega success with somebody. What can I do that's going to give back? And I always like to totally. emphasize that. And I think for me that does counteract the feeling of being selfish because I think, well, in fact, I'm not being selfish because with this I'm going to give back to somebody who maybe was in my position yeah i guess the way i say that is the um the, yeah. the the rising tide raises all boats yeah i don't think you know totally you should ever feel selfish because i think you know you give back 
what to me i think you know the whole made in the west um film festival gives so much back to people mm. you should you're the last person to feel guilty oh but i, I love doing it i love yes. i love getting up there and like there's don't get me wrong there's parts of made in the west where i go oh, fuck i've got to go do this thing man it's so much work we go do this i've got to go work, um uh, uh work with this situation there's always yes. something to work on mm. and it's a um a constantly evolving um a chapter in my life it, it keeps changing keeps growing um and there is stress with that um but there are moments there where i absolutely love it when i'm standing up giving um the speech like the opener like the opener for the uh the festival it's one of my most favorite moments of the year where i get to tell everyone how awesome they are and thank them for being here um i really enjoy that moment i live for that moment that's so beautiful, though. And that's I, beautiful. But that's that again, though. That's a that's a selfish thing. I I, I like Misty will. T- I, I can I can tell you, like, if I see myself on TV, I go, oh, there I am on TV. Look, there's me. Um, Great. It, I, should- I was on TV the other day, by the way. I tell you, no, I wasn't, but my footage was. That's still you. Yeah. You know what? Running on empty. Big shout out, John DeBruyne. Snaps for them. Snaps <laughs> for them. Drinks to them. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I know there is that selfish side of it, but I think yeah, now, I, I do, I do, I do dig what you're saying. You're talking about um, drawing towards the selfless side of it. Just be selfless. I always say my motto is live your life. Mm. Literally live your life, and if this is what brings you joy, joy brings more joy. Mm. It does. If you're happy about something and it makes someone else happy, of course you're going to feel happy back. That's true. And That's true. Well, let's not stand in the way of that. Let's not have ourselves and this negative side of ourselves get in the way and say, I'm being selfish. No, we're not. We're just breeding more joy and the world <laughs> needs joy. I'm like, I, you know what? Who cares if someone calls me a hippie? I want to bring joy to the world. There is so much negativity. In I people. love hippies. Hippies yeah. are great, man. And there is so much negativity happening all around us every day. Mm. Why should I put more of that into the world? It's it's only going to bring everybody down. Yeah, totally. I look, I, sometimes I get sad, man. Sometimes I get sad. Lo- and yeah. Because I, you work hard on something and sometimes you get tired. But yes. there's there's two things that keep me going. Okay, um, what, what is that? One of them is Misty. Misty is absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, she's brilliant. She always... Um, uh, reignites my star, and oh goodness! But um, the other thing is that I every time I'm surrounded by darkness of an idea, there's always this little grain of sand right in the middle of me that is full of light, and is just trying to get out. Beautiful. And I, I and I concentrate on that one little grain, and then make it two, and then make it three, and then make it four, and all of a sudden I'm back to being bright again, and I always go through that journey because like I. I work myself to the bone. I really do. I work really hard all the time. I work myself to exhaustion all the time. Yes. I, I really do, uh, and I, I and I feel that in you, because um, you know, you, you speak of being, uh, you know, I've been criticised for being a perfectionist, and uh, I go, well, uh, I don't know if I'm a perfectionist, but I'm certainly a proactive person that's doing a whole bunch of things. Yes. And people go, do less things. That's their answer to me. Do less things. Go, why? 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 There's enough time. Um, I like what I do. Uh, sometimes I get down about what I do um, because... Is that the darkness that you spoke of? Yeah, man. If yes. you stand in light, you're going to cast a shadow, right? And sometimes we focus on the shadow. Uh, sometimes we don't focus on the light. When you focus on the shadow, because I'm very, very interested in this, um, again, topics that we don't mm. let necessarily talk about mm. enough as actors and in this industry. Yeah. We really don't. As performers, yeah. We don't. 
and no. it's it's quite disgusting to me because I want people to to normalize feeling extremely insecure mm. about their work. Mm. And stop saying everything is perfect on Instagram, guys. Like, stop posting your success reel. Mm. Let's start posting how hard this damn thing is. Yeah. So I'm so curious. What would you say is your, like, shadow stuff? Or, like, I mean, yeah. nothing about going into personal. No, like, no but I'm happy to know? dive in. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I think um, the imposter monster is the biggest one that I tackle. Like, what yeah. business do I have doing this? Oh. Uh, what business do I have being a front man in a heavy metal band? What business is that of mine? Uh, man, I look silly in that film. People are going to criticise me for that, even though that I know deep down that I did a really good job and people love it. Mm. There's still that voice that goes, "You're still shit at this, man. Why are you even bothering for?" There's always that voice that I'm always dealing with that tells really? me that I'm not good enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not smart enough, and I'm constantly um, fighting the tide of that. But on the other side of that story is a bright light that goes, it's three in the morning, I've got to get this done. Yes. And I'm doing this for a good reason. Um, I'm editing. When I edit and write, I feel it in my hands. Mm. Like I feel I feel art in my body when I'm doing it. That's it's, beautiful. It's so, ex- it's so exhilarating. Yeah. Um, uh, performing on stage, performing in front of a camera. Um, even podcasting is an art, man. Yes. You, you, it really is. You've got to... And you, I'm still learning, but... I but love it is. It. I it's really it's love just it. not a conversation. Like it's a really equal oh. conversation. Yes. Oh God. You know, yeah. we, here we are on headsets. That we can't overpower each other. We're very equal. There's no domineering. Uh, we, you know, I, I, I have a habit of cutting people off. Don't get me wrong, um, but um, it's pretty even space. Yeah. And and you've got to fill the space. And you go, all right, where, where's this wave going to take us? Like I wrote a few notes. Oh. Yeah. But we haven't touched any of what I wrote down. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. It's like, uh, I we can go into that. Yeah, mm. because I think honestly, every well, there is one question I want to ask you though. Oh, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, it's something that I'm envious of, actually. Please don't be. Oh, yeah, yes. no, it is, it is, it really is. Oh, be still my beating heart. What is that? Um, the the Thurman man. Thurman. The Thurman. Yeah. Oh, the Thurman. Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. No, not the Thurman. The Theremin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Theremin. Oh, I've gosh. always been fascinated by Theremins. Wow. Always, um, because the first person to say that to me. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by. Him. Like, I've got a. Uh, you might see over in the corner there. I've got a water phone, over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got a water phone. I love playing the water phone, which is like a little bow where I bend the notes and do these horror film sort of sounds. But the uh, uh, theremin. Is it theremin, is that right? Yeah, theremin. Theremin. Just say it how you ever want to say yeah, it. Yeah, because you got well. Just, just, to, just to describe to our uh, our listeners, it's like this little aerial that has. Um, another handpiece there and you sort of move your hands around it and, it and you can bend and create notes essentially. Yeah, that is how it works. Exactly. You've got two um, antennas. You've got the um, pitch antenna and the volume antenna. Mm. That's how it works. Yeah. And um, it's one of the oldest electronic instruments in the world. It's prob- uh, it is the first. Mm. Created by Leon Theremin. Yeah. And um, it is one of those instruments where um, it's been adapted over time. So mm. you can make a theremin Mm. If you, if yeah, you really I've, want I've, to, I've actually you looked at the tutorials to do this, Joe. Oh, man. If, if you end up doing that, call me and tell me how you found it. Um, like, you know. Okay. But we were talking about Uma Thurman. Uh, the Theremin. <laughs> the Theremin. 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 Well, actually, I can make it even more confusing for you because I play a Theremini. What's a Theremini? The Theremini is a um, modern version. It's a modern take mm. on the Theremin. So um, the Theremin is basically an instrument that 
does not have any kind of um, pitch correction mm. and it's basically a very squeaky noise. Like yeah. to anyone who doesn't... Yeah, it's going to sound like uh, the opening scene of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yes. Whoa, are you playing a theremin right now? Yeah. Well, I do sound effects. That's what I do. That was perfect. That was amazing. I can light you a match. You want me to light you a match? Can you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally nerding out on that. But the other thing I wanted to get to is because yeah. uh, the, um, the Uma Thurman is something I've always uh, wanted to play music with. That sounds really weird. Ooh. I've got to really track that. That's terrible. No, the, the theremin. Uh, theremin. The, thera- the theremin. Yeah, I can uh, look at them. Like, you know, if you've got a theremini, um, that's basically it's got pitch correction. You mm. can set the key you're in. It's far easier to play in because this class is a digital um, synthesizer. Yeah, they go for what? They go for about seven hundred bucks. They don't they? Uh, you got the Moog original, which mm. was used in uh, First Man. If yeah. anyone's seen that movie, First Man. my favorite director is uh, uh, Damien Chazelle, mm. and um, one of his writers um, is Justin Hurwitz, mm. and he did the music for First Man as well as La La Land, two of my favorite movies. And they, he actually taught himself to play a theremin for that film, and mm. he plays the original theremin. It's like a box like this, mm-hmm. and it's very honestly. I would say it's very similar to a violin mm. because it's all one pitch and you've got to have very, very good oral, oral skills for mm. that. Um, but the Theorem Mini is going to work by um, adding effects and mm. you can really do some trippy stuff with yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Very like a chaos sort of pad sort of thing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. love to do that. Uh, but, yeah, um, I um, uh, wanted to talk about uh, something else as well. What was it? Uh, the the art girl. Yeah. What's the art girl all about? The art girl. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm in the mo- like in the middle of a few different projects. Mm-hmm. So again, I love creating my own work, and I think that everything that we've spoken about, honestly, all collates mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I believe that um, you know. Ooh. That was me. I told you I'd do it. Pop pop. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Makes me feel better. Um, we, normally, the mic bumps. The fastest one I had was eight seconds. Like someone. Bumped it straight away. And the longest one was an hour 20. They bumped it. Everyone pumps the mic. Everyone. Okay, good. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, but including me. Okay. So I think we're an hour and a bit in. Oh, I probably, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I broke your concentration. So, um, we're talking about the art girl. Yeah, because I think that everything that we've spoken of so far all collates, in, you know, from uh, talking about our inner demons and our shadows to, um, you know, why all of this exists in my career thus far is all for a reason. Mm. And I started writing music about what was going on. And I think that just because, you know, I've had a lot of negativity around what I do doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that um, I have to dwell in that. It doesn't mean that I have to be negative. So I decided to make art with the weeds and turn them into flowers. Yeah, wow. And that's how I like to think about everything. The then, weeds into flowers. I like that. Yeah, because the bullies and the, the naysayers in your life, mm. and that goes for you know the people that listen to this podcast and also for the younger generation, I really want to prove to people that we don't have to live in the person we were. Mm. And this is this is really where the art girl is going, right? Mm. This is this is um, it's a perfect time to speak of this because we've had such a in depth conversation about mm. um, who we are as people, mm. and the art girl has come from. Um, a point where I was really living in the past mm. and 
yesterday is history and tomorrow is a mystery and we must live in today, which is a present. That's what they call it a gift. Oh, I love it. <laughs> like that's from Kung Fu. <laughs> Look, that, that pearl of wisdom, guys, is from Kung Fu Panda. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to live in the past and we are not what other people define us as. Mm. So the, this is why the art girl became a thing. So when I was um, in the 10th grade, I was horrifically bullied. Mm. I'm definitely someone who was... Um, you know, like bullying survivor, I guess, because mm. I was physically bullied, mentally bullied, cyber bullied, mm. everything bullied. And I was called the art girl when I was at school. And it was a name that people called it's me. It's like a badge of honor, really. It, it, well, not at my school. Not at, that, not at that time, though. Yeah. And I was at a school where they didn't really care about the arts. Mm. And they, they thought I was like the freaky art girl. So that's what they would call me in the playground as an insult. So when I left my school, they went, oh, where did she go? Oh, that art girl, the art girl. Mm. So I decided that what everyone had called me for so long as a name that was supposed to put me down, I took that weed and I made a flower. I made a beautiful patch. Mad flower. I think, I think, I think they really, I think they really dropped the ball on that insult. Yeah, I think they did. Because I think that's the art girl. Yeah, they could have come up with something better. Like I think they come up with something really good. I just think they fucked up their own prerogative. Like I think they were trying to like yeah. depower you, but it's right. actually quite empowering. Yes, and that's... Because like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. You are yeah. the art girl. I am the art girl and I'm going to own that. Yeah. And I hope to... I, I really hope that everything <laughs> that I speak of, you know, in any interview I do... I always want to leave it positive that you are not going to live in that. Mm. That is, you are not what defines you. And a lot of the time when we look at these shadows in us about, oh, I'm not good enough and this and that, they're other people's voices. Excuse me. They are. Like, excuse me, get out of this story. Mm. I didn't write you in. Mm. I don't write them out of that story. Bye. I'm going <laughs> to cut you out. Like, literally, you have, you are not coming back for season two. Yeah. Like, that's how I think of it. Yeah, I totally, I totally dig that because, yeah. like, I've, I've, I've been, I've, I, you know, I can totally um, resonate with, you know, bullying ideas and that sort of thing, and yeah. those negative voices. And I, I was bringing it up before about those negative voices that tell you you're not good enough. Yes. But ultimately, um, I always, I always triumph over that, and I occasionally over the over the years I go back to it because you know an event happens, and you get churned up in it, and then you get brought back to a, a foundation. Mm. And I just try and get back to that foundation of being a positive thing rather than a negative one. And that's what I've learned over the years is going through the cycle of life and the cycle of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to understand that you're going to travel between the negative and positive banks of the river. Mm-hmm. We want to hold on to the positive more than we want to hold on to the negative. But we tend to hold on to the negative. We tend to hold on to it. Yeah. Because it's a better grip. It's more a confirmation grip. We, we go, told you that was going to fuck up told you yeah and we want that we want that confidence to say that we were right right tell me about it and i think the art girl project is um an album of music that i will be releasing very soon Mm. and like i'm doing some singles and stuff and i'm doing that by myself Mm. i have a home studio that i record in so like yeah when it comes out i'm doing a release like i've planned this out for myself Mm -hmm. and the art girl is like essentially it's a business Mm -hmm. but i um i'm in the same place where all of my songs i found that I truly, I don't want to get deep. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too deep because when we talk about acting and my music and stuff, like, how can I not? You know, yeah, like, totally. how can I not? Because I'm talking, honestly, I do my best work when I'm, when I'm hurt, when I've got an arrow through my chest and yeah. I'm not going to deny that. And I don't want anyone it's to- fuel. Yes. When we talk about process, good Lord, I am the person that's like, you know, 
I've got the candles and no lights on and I'm like, all by my side. Yeah. Like, I've written I'm two dead. albums based on, well, that's number three. you got number three going. Please don't count. Please I'm don't count. I'm up to two. Is you, like you've won up. I think you're going to beat me at this. I'll give it a I good will. shot. I'll give it a good shot though. I will. Um, but no, I've I've written albums um, from coming back from the war and 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 I've politicised them in in a way that I think about the world and the optics that I see. Yeah. And I've done at least two albums that are based on that. All the lyrical content is based on my emotional context about how I feel about a certain subject. When we're artists, we are going to write about things that hurt us mm. or the things that bring us joy. All art comes from emotion mm. and that's exactly how I see this, that the art girl, I'm just going to have to make that something positive, flip things around and I have to express it. It becomes a form of therapy, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it's a redirection of negative energy into positive energy. Yeah, and I'm writing yeah. about that moment in time mm. and, oh gosh. It's act- a process. Yeah, acting, You're processing it. Yeah, and acting and music, to be honest, is the same thing. Totally. Oh my it God. It is performance art. To get into the space to sing mm. and write, I got to be there. I have to be there in that moment when things are actually happening to to write about how I feel. Yeah, totally. I, I, man, yeah. I, I'll give you this example. This is a way that I'll, I'll sort of bring context to this idea for, for me. Is um, right. You can do karaoke, right? You can sing other people's songs, or you can sing your own songs. And I've experienced doing both of those things. Yes, you can, yeah. Right. Uh, when you're acting. You can do monologues of other people's stuff, right? And I find that to be like karaoke. Like when I do Al Pacino, I like doing a good Al Pacino, right? Okay. Um, uh, especially uh, Devil's Advocate. Love doing monologues from the Devil at Devil's Advocate, you know? The last fig leaf, you know? Getting right into That's it. beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, but I find that to be like a cover. It's a cover, it's a cover song. So when you do other actors' monologues from different films, it's like a cover, or it's like a, oh, yeah. or it's like a karaoke. It's the same same sort of thing. You re- you're replicating something that's already been made before, yeah. and you're doing it maybe a little bit in your style, but you're still trying to do it in their style. Oh, yeah. Right. So I find them very similar. But then you can riff. So there's monologues that I riff with because I do because I write. So I do like gangster films and I do sci-fi films. That's that's oh, what I write. Very intrigued by those. Yeah, I love doing gang. I love like Hello, bad ther- guy monologues. Love doing a bad guy monologue. Thereminist right here. Like you need to write a thereminist character. Yeah, Please. I can do that. Oh, I can do I- that. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like. <laughs> that's more like a saw though. I always wanted to be able to play a saw. You ever seen them bend the saw and they do the bow? I have. <laughs> that is intense. Yeah. I reckon I could do it. Oh. I reckon I could do it. I can do it. I think you, I, I honestly think that you could. I totally think you could. Yeah, I reckon I could. I reckon I'd get away with that. But I, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, there's definitely a relationship between that interface yeah. of where you're trying to do things that other people have done versus riffing yourself. So, like, yeah, there would be bad guy monologues in a in a sci-fi that I'm writing, and I'll just riff it. I'll just start riffing it. So, I'll record my voice as the character. So, I'll start Ooh. acting as the character to write the story. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. In so, the voice? Yeah, but that's oh. right. In the voice that I would do it as a voice actor. And I relate that to the being a vocalist, doing yeah. a performance as a song. Because you can sing a cover or you could just... I can show up in a band room, right? They can start playing a riff and I'll just start um, improvising it and start feeling where I fill the spaces. And all of a sudden, then I've got lyrics lyrics start appearing and then the lyrics start appearing i go well let's arrange it let's let's come up with a a song arrangement all of a sudden we've got a song that i've written lyrics to and i've all done it from riffing 
Yeah. Or just just being in the moment. That's so interesting because I'm the same. And the writing is that yeah. for me as well. Yes, you've got to get into that headspace. And I, I really, be the character. Yeah, be it. It comes to you. Mm. Like sometimes they're like, "What are you going to write about?" And I'm like, "I don't know, I don't know." But she's going to come to me. I know it because when I start to work with her and I start to feel her in my body and in my fingertips, mm. she's going to present herself to me. Mm. I'm, I'm going to sound a bit like a either psycho. Or psychic. Psychic. I think, yeah, I'm going to sound like either one of them at the moment to everyone who's a non-actor, but she, they, they present themselves to me. Mm. And I normally have to find that incision point. And that incision point for me is either a, an object or it comes from a smell. Or yeah, I do the same thing. I do a very similar yeah. thing. It's an object yeah. or it's a phrase. So one, one character I've been working at the moment is a um, sort of like submarine sort of character. Right? Okay. And uh, he's a um, uh, um, the, not an not an officer, but an enlisted person, but that's in charge of everyone. He's like a warrant officer, right? Okay. And he's got this one phrase where he goes, "No doubt," right? That's all. He, that's that's his that's his catchphrase. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, he would look at it that way, but no doubt. <laughs> so I know how that character sounds. I know what they always say. And from going to that space, I can write them quite easily, and I act them quite easily, and I, I, I really enjoy that, and I just, I just want to find ways to explore that more in a, in yeah. a more uh, collaborative space rather than an isolated space. Yeah. Gosh, that was definitely like listening to someone talking about putting on a uniform. It is like a uniform, isn't it? Yeah. I, I there's a movie like that came out, what, ten, twelve years ago, and um, I think it was. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Mm. Uh, Nicholas Cage was talking about that. That he talk, in his practice, he puts on his uniform with little um, with lines, and then he starts with costume, and it really is. And this is riffing, right? You're this riffing. Is, you're riffing. You're, you're feeling it. You're, you're getting yeah. in the groove. You're, you're not making full determined decisions about it. You're just touching bases with it, and then all of a sudden, it forms. Yes. And that's the experience that I really dig. That's yeah. the selfless part for me when I'm immersed into it. And if that's entertaining to someone, that's great. That's self. That, that's selfless. But the yeah. selfish part for me is that that immersion point, that transition. I find that it's so exciting and, and 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 adventurous, especially in the ideas of um, existentialism and who we are as people. Because you talked about it before, um, I, I I sound like a psychic that's uh, trying to draw on these characters, and then you go, well, where do ideas even come from, man? Like, are, are ideas out there all the time and they're just grabbed onto by consciousness? Like, what is that? Yeah. I think that's so... The point of all of this is that as artists, we need to be the ones with curious minds. We need to be the ones who are going questions, to question everything. Questions, man. I don't believe in ever saying, well, that's the way you do something. Absolutes don't like them. Yeah, but they're... they're Honestly, nothing is ever set in stone. Mm. We need to look at the flip side of absolutely everything as the, as the person we are playing mm. ask ourselves what if what if and never just take the character at face value because you know what half the time i have to i don't say what if i do um so what so what i go because you, you you spun me out before because you, you brought this up earlier in the podcast yeah, you yeah, go because yeah. you have this template that you go oh yes what if mm. and what if uh this person didn't go into the bar mm. well um mine is so what they didn't go into the bar so what now Oh, and okay. I, that's how I look. It's the okay. same. It's it's the same thing, but a different optic. <gasps> yeah, because so, so I, what? To me, that has a different. Okay, why does that matter? Yeah. So what? 
Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Because you're like, you, you, you do it as a contextual thing. Like, yeah. what is this thing? And I'm like, but what is the emotion in that space? So what? What does that mean? That's so interesting because I'm going... Very similar. Well, it's so similar, but so but different. Di- so different. Yeah, because I'm going so into like external as in this is all about the setting your and story as in your is going yours is going internally mm. into the character wow that's so much oh i'm going to use that so what so what but i'll obviously trademark yeah uh, yeah page you train well no the other the other thing is so what now so, so what, what now? now so what now like he he's walking out to the bar he knew that his best friend was in there but he couldn't face the idea that he was sleeping with his wife oh, so, what so now? he didn't go in there so what now he goes to see the wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, that, and that really does start to make you question. And I, I love to do that because I think... Because that's what it is. Because that's what we're talking about, right? Because yeah. you go, what if? What if? It's a question. Yeah. And, I, you know, you don't want to be in a scene and be like... And freeze. Yeah. So many times I think actors love to, to, to throw something at you that you're not expecting. And you're like, what are you doing? you got to go with it. you just mm. got to go with it. But not as prue as... Queen or as whoever we're Whoever playing. that character is oh, yeah. and who you decide that character to be and who you agree that a character is. Because Ooh. I... Yeah, because yeah, being a director, you've got to agree on a character. Like, oh, there's, yeah? There's a big shout out to a guy I work with called Quentin, right? Yeah, okay. I had to hire this drug dealer and I wanted him to be like Tyler Durton, right? So, you know, leather... A red leather jacket, um, always speaking in metaphors, you know, um, flamboyant person. Oh, my God. He sounds awesome. Yeah, great, great, great character for someone to get a hold of, right? And um, yeah, he would bring things to the table because I was very specific about this character. Okay. okay. But he brought other things to the table, and I realised oh, I turned into a negotiation. He goes, "I see your vision, I agree with it, but I want to enhance it in this way." And then he started enhancing the character in that way, and I go, "Ooh, but what if I enhance it further this way?" And then we were negotiating who this person is mm. through collaborative process. I, I think that's beautiful yeah. that you that you weren't just going to be a wall and say no. Obviously, we know that the first rule of drama school is don't say no, take the offer. We all we all work mm. with that, right? But it's not just an exercise because what you were doing then is accepting yes. Have you ever done that exercise? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Just that, say yes. Just say yes. Yeah. And if we are this, I always say to someone, I am a blank piece of paper i'm a canvas i'm a piece of clay and i want to mold this character with you work for you not against you and we're going to produce something beautiful together Mm. it's not just me sitting here trying to mold myself because i i also struggle to not check my check myself in the corner of my eye and have someone else in the audience watching me Mm. you know when you have yourself watching you yeah Totally know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, as in, I know I got really deep just then, but you get so heady. This whole industry is just such a heady thing for yeah. an actor. Well, yeah. if you, you you can split your axle on that though. You can implode on those ideas. You got yeah. it's a it's a tight line. Like for instance, when I'm uh, when I'm singing heavy metal at a show, I picture myself as the person that's furthest away near the door that wants to leave. And I picture how do I convince that person to stay in this room. Ooh. That's how I think about that space. I want to shout at the person that's furthest away and encourage them to stay here. Because wow. that way, everyone that's in that's that's beyond that spectrum that that, that is closer to me that wants to be a part of the show yes. gets a better experience. Because if I play to the guy that's like, I'm going to go have a smoke after this show, I'm like, oh, but I like this song. 
Yeah, no, I'll have the smoke later. I'm going to listen to this song. Yeah. That's how I think about it. You project the energy to every corner of the room. Yeah. I want oh. to own that space. That that sounds like a theatre. Yeah, it's musical theatre. Yeah, I, I, don't, Beautiful. I, don't, I don't want to demand it. I want to command it. Yeah, I want to. I want to command that space. I want to Ooh, invite you to stay nice. through the, through through intrigue and question, and desire. That's right, there that's, is a lot of intrigue, especially well for me with metal music. Yeah, I want. I want you to. I want you to. I want you to answer this question. You know, that's that's how I think about it. Yeah, I, li- I like. I like the jugular approach to that. Yes, and also the fact because it's ferocious in nature. Yeah, and the music I think reflects that too. Why? Mm. Why? Why is that happening? But I got but, but the same the person that's on stage when I do metal is not the same person that you're talking to. They're different people. Oh, I agree. The art girl it does not act like me, mm. um, and that's actually something that I have had to work on. Uh, her the the voice and everything that I'm projecting it's a character. We're all making characters at the end of the day. Mm. We're all making a piece of work that is not. Uh, I actually that's no, why I think it's existential because we all do this throughout our lives. Everyone does it. Yeah. The way you talk to your parents is not the same as the way you speak at work. It's not the same way you speak at the pub. Everything is a role. And the real thing is, you go, then who's the person underneath all of the roles? And then you go, is there one there? And I find that very existential. I have an answer. Yeah. Oh, like, I, I don't want to, like, just sit here yeah. and go, yeah, wow. No, but, but what do you think? What do you think? Like um, you know what? Is that I think that I've done a lot of work on finding that person, mm. as in finding who is this person that makes all of the art? Mm. Who is she? Yeah, and what is this voice? Where does it come from? Yeah, and I've realized that when you get rid of all of these ridiculous, ridiculous layers that we have over ourselves mm. that we think are socially acceptable, mm. and we think... Status quo, yeah. Yeah, status quo. When you get rid of those... Then we find the real person because the art girl is saying what I want to say through music. My prudent pictures, I direct to say the, the story visually and through acting. I act so I can take on a character and tell somebody else's story and really delve into her or whoever I'm playing. And I've found that Prue is just, Prue is going to be the baseline person and I have to be unapologetic and I mm. have to be honest mm. about why. Um, why she is saying honestly this is a bit of a like a safety blanket for me because having a different version of myself in front of all of my work was me just not confessing to how I really feel Mm. but in reality I'm like oh now yeah I definitely wrote that song about how much I was bullied yeah this song is written about how much I hate retail I'm not Mm -hmm. scared to talk I'm not scared to tell anybody those things Mm. don't be scared yeah, yeah. I, I certainly can say that about songs. Um, this, uh, um, and some of it's quite confronting. Like, um, mm. uh, this song's called Lonesome because I feel that I can't connect with anyone because no one has experienced, not many have experienced what I've experienced. Mm. Um, but then you go, well, that's a really locked box. And then you go, well, I want to invite someone into that box. I want them to see what I see. Oh yes, life is not generic. No, life is not a no frills. You know, can of baked beans, guys. Mm. Life is different for everybody, and the flavour is so exciting for me to hear your yeah. story. I don't want to hear everybody. Well, it's a contrast of everything, right? Yeah. It's contrast, like, and you you were tapping on it before, like, yeah. um, with Instagram. We've got our our best foot forward with Instagram. It is the photo album that you show your grandparents, and they don't know about how you were partying on Saturday night. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what Instagram is, or it's the party on Saturday night where actually you're just hanging out with your grandparents. Um, it's one or the other. 
Yeah, that's yeah. more me. That's probably your more you, actually. Oh, let's. Be, I don't. I don't party. Mm. No one. I, no, everyone knows this about me. I don't go out. I don't do anything. I work. Mm. Right. But you are touching on something so exciting for me because when we normalize things like that, we're not only normalizing things in our society, but our work needs to reflect mm. that because. I, I don't know if you've seen, you know, what's kind of happening with TV at the moment, but the way that, you know, certain female, well, females, female characters are portrayed, hmm. how, is that what is influenced by the internet? Is it in our culture? It's oh, all no. reflected. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I think, yeah. oh man, I think I've got a lot of opinions on that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think um, from the 80s, I think commercials are a good way to, to, to figure that out. Um, early, you know... Um, Late 80s commercials, early 80s commercials were highly sexualized. And they highly sexualized women. And there was a hypersexuality about women and image and woman's image and what a woman was. And if, if you fast forward to now, that argument of what a woman is is so fragmented across so many arguments yeah. that it, no one can actually answer the question. Oh, whoops. oh gosh, again, sorry. <laughs> but I think it comes down to outrage now. I think we've moved on from sex to outrage, right? Um, I think in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, there was that saying that sex sells, right? We haven't, I haven't heard that saying in such a long time, that sex sells. I think that what they realize that outrage sells. Controversies. Controversy, taboo, things that are uncouth. They sell. And they've actually done studies on people's brains experiencing um, sexual imagery versus outrage imagery. And do you know what they found? Or, or gambling or cocaine or you know, yeah. other, other forms of addiction. Scary. Outrage is the highest ranking. It ranks wow. higher than sex. So an outrage... If you, if you saw... Um, if you were on the street and you saw someone um, being accosted on the street... For instance, uh, let's just say you saw um, uh, a really big dude hit a 10-year-old on the street... Yes. You'd be absolutely outraged and you'd actually go and do something about that. Yes. You you'd be you'd be so motivated that you would be caused to, you'd be called to action by your morality. And that's that ranks higher than sex. So what they figured out is if you create imagery, small snippet content that's outrageous, clickbait is what they call it. Clickbait, yeah. outrage, doom doom scrolling. Doomer, the doomers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is highly addictive. There is more parts of your brain that are firing as if the, you were snorting the purest, uh, purest cocaine on the planet. Um, and, and by the way, when people play pokey machines, for instance, that's what their brain is reflecting is the use of cocaine, right? Yeah. But the scary thing is that outrage outranks sex and drug addiction. Outranks it in uh, neuroactivity in your brain. I totally believe that. And I think that... This is really about where we're going to be if we're the people who are making media and we're the ones who are feeding this beast. Mm. Really, let's let's just be real about this, mm. guys. We're music makers. We're filmmakers. We're going to be fueling this fire. Mm. We can make change. We can make change. Totally. I am a firm believer in being a um, in being a leader. Mm. I love leading and making change and showing that. Yeah, you know what? Things are like this now, but they're not going to be like that soon. Yeah, and we're in a renaissance. We are, and I do not. Uh, you know, oh gosh, I think we really have to we rewire people to think that instead of finding it addictive, looking at shocking or awful things over and over again. That's that's only fueling the fire to, for people to see something in real life and bring a phone out and mm. record it. It's not content. 
are they really called to action? Because I don't exactly know. Yeah, see, here's the thing, right? Like, if iPhones know. existed, like, I'm not saying that I'm a religious person. Let's just argue that um, Jesus ahead. is a real thing and he got crucified. Right? Okay, yes. Let's just argue that for We're a second. We're to an opinion. It's okay. Whether you believe that or not, let's just argue that that's the case. I understand. If that happened during the advent of um, smartphones, would people be helping Jesus off the cross or would they be getting a selfie? Selfie. I reckon they'd be getting a selfie. Totally. And I know that's a really pessimistic view. But it's but the truth. I, but I think that's feeding into that outrage. And that yes. outrage, everyone's outraged. And I think that um, that outrage is it comes back to the art of war, mm. divide and conquer. While we're having a cultural debate about our differences, we're not talking about how we're similar. We are so similar. And I think that music and film and, and, and gaming actually... Video games. Yeah, yes. I, th- I think those th- those three uh, genres of content creation bring people together. They will. And I always say... They even have n- names like multiplayer, right? Multiplayer. They, they literally bring people together. They literally are bringing people together. We need to bring content into this society that is going to be... It's going to suck the poison out of so much damage and especially the damage into our brain that likes to watch tragedy mm. we like to watch tragedy unfold on our screens and it's almost like an illness i think and i, I think it is i think it is a mental illness yeah and that's why it's junk, it's junk food that's poison for you you know right? what it is it is it is visual junk food and that's why the film that i'm developing at the moment i'm developing a feature and one of my main points of that film is that i want to change the lens mm. on um how we view neurodiversity mm-hmm. and i'm Look, I'm a dyslexic. I've got ADHD. Mm-hmm. And the entire premise of that film is looking at someone in a positive light. And it takes one to, to write a character like that. Mm. I don't want to make mistakes. And I want to actually see someone who is from that background make a film like that and be able to show such a positive light on who we can be. Yeah, what absolutely. What can we do? And well, I think, I, think, I think that the content's starting to reflect that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm in a privileged position of seeing a lot of content. Beautiful. That, that is from, from Western Sydney. And I can certainly say that I can see the optimism in it. Yeah. There's a lot of optimistic content out there. That's right. Don't get me wrong, like, tackle some, like, heavy topics. Great. Heavy topics Love that it. are very difficult to talk about. Okay. Uh, things like Islamophobia, uh, things about um, uh, the you know gay rights movement, yes. uh, the um, uh, the feminist movement, mm-hmm. um, the idea, and 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 as well like um, racial equality, um, gender equality. Yes. These are really difficult topics to really get your head around. I understand. Because there's so many people that are that have a have a stake in it, but I think that. That film is that intersection. Music is that intersection. Gaming is that intersection of people coming together about their commonalities rather than their differences. Mm. And I think, yeah, the mainstream media will definitely lead you to believe that we're all different. But really, um, the artists in all of us, we all have those shells. The shell that is talking to their parents. The shell that is talking to their friends at the pub. The shell that is on this... That, that, that's, you know, um, uh, that person on stage singing a song. Yeah. The person that's performing that role in a movie. That person that's talking on a podcast, talking about their perspective on life. Um, we all have that. But I think when you peel that all away, who are we? And we actually, when you get to that point, you'd actually find that we're all very much in common. We all breathe the same air. We all have the desires of love, the desire of acceptance by our fellows. Uh, we have all of that. Uh, so I think we're very we're way more common than people will ever lead people uh, that 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 people with interests 
will ever lead us to believe. I love that. We should never present a version of ourselves online that we want or a version of ourselves in front of others that we that we think they want to see. Mm. We just be yourself and be your authentic self. Mm. An authentic self for me is what I I aim to show in character, mm. film and music. I love always going back to but what is the truth? Yeah. What is the honesty? It's like acting 101. Yeah, but what is the truth? Don't mm. just come up with whatever. What is the truth of the scene? Go mm. back to your text. Go back to, um, you know, maybe it's the music theory or go back to that original writing and see what is the truth of the character because it's always going to bring you back to mm. earth. Yeah, we totally. We can get so heady. Yeah, we can. We can. And we can get um, yeah. so um, sensitive. We get so sensitive to ideas. And I think mm. that's, what, that's that, what that divide and conquer thing is. And I hope that people see the commonality and what we have, um, especially through um, you know doing projects like Made in the West, yeah. we're also we're also different. Like you look at the content in in that lineup, eclectic. It's eclectic, very eclectic. It's it's totally different. And oh yeah, it's totally. Yeah. It really is, and I, I'm always surprised by that. Even though I expect it, like I expect it to be different after doing it after ten years, but every time I see the new lineup, I'm like, this is just mind blowing. Really awesome. Like it is, it is insane how much different content is out there. Um, well, we, don't get me wrong. We've gotten pats on the backs before for you know, being diverse, uh, promoting female directors. And we go, we don't actually do that. We just promote the content. It just so happens that it, it was you made know, by a chick. It was made by a, a gay dude. Like it doesn't, doesn't, we don't, we don't care that a gay guy made the movie. We don't care that a woman made the movie. Um, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was. It's all always going to come down to the content. Yeah. You, oh, good content work, is king. Yeah, work gets work, gets work, gets work. Yeah, and it goes round and round and round. Totally. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think we're really close to the yes. end. I should. Um, uh, we should wrap this up. Uh, let's get your plugs in. So we got um, uh, the art girl. Where can we find the art girl? Yeah. So you guys can find me on. I'm just going to move this over here. So I'm, <laughs> am I in shot? You're totally in shot. I can see you I'm from over there. I'm in shot. Yep. Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. It's on Google actually. So if you just Google Prudence Bernadette, all of my links will be mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Just have a knowledge panel, so you can just check all of that out. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a YouTube channel, Prudence Bernadette, and I have an album slash singles coming out after may this year yeah that's yes. exciting so much work huh yeah or you can check out the um, www.theartgirl.com mm-hmm. or princebenedette.com or print pictures and uh we have quite a few projects coming up there's a lot of things you coming. got so much content coming out it's absolutely fantastic <laughs> uh the output is great i can totally resonate with it people go up to me all the time and go how do you get all this content i actually still have time to spare to be frank um, but yeah. yeah, you do an amazing job. Oh, um, thank you. And yourself too. And I'm just, um, you know, I love hanging out with you guys and I think what you're doing is, you know, next level fantastic. And I mean that not in front of a camera, but also <laughs> like, not because there is a camera rolling, but I truly mean it. I, yeah, I'm I, I dig fan. that. Thank oh, you so much. Yeah, I'll wear the t-shirt every day. <laughs> I, oh, by you. the way, yeah, that's yeah, right. I forgot to talk about me. that. Um, yeah, you are the, um, oh, it's, look, you were the prize winner for the golden ticket at May in the West. No, I'm, oh, I'm doing, doing the, queen. the queen wave. The queen, I'm like, excuse me, here, 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 but high five. High five. Uh, yeah, you actually won the randomized golden ticket at Made in the West, and you've got the bag. You've actually got it here. Yeah, yeah, of course we've got it here. The randomized bag. There you go. Now it's in shot. There you go. Um, which is 500 bucks worth of goodies. I'm so stoked that you actually won it. I can't believe that you won it. It's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, I just think, yeah, um, that's how sometimes things work out in life. 
Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the prize. Oh, I'm so I'm so grateful, and thank you so much for doing a prize. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, it was a crazy idea. We just launched our Red Bubble thing, and we needed to get some product out there, and we thought, you know, uh, why not put a prize together? So, and I'm just really stoked that you won it. <laughs> Who better than me? You know, I'm going to plug the <laughs> hell out of it. You know, it's me. I'm all about that brand. Well, don't forget to hashtag Made in the West. Just hashtag Made in the West or Made in the West Film Festival. Of course I will. Of course, I'll be all Why over are you it. asking? I'm of all course. over it, Ross. I'm you all over it. You know I always tag. <laughs> my goodness gracious. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> yeah, well, look, thank you so much for being on the show. I've learned thank so much tonight. Really have. Uh, but guys, you've been watching The Pager Train. You can check us out on Spotify. You can check us out on iHeartRadio. And of course, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. And of course, you can find us on YouTube. And if you're listening and watching us on YouTube, don't forget to tick like and, you know, tick for notifications when we bring out a film. We bring out a... Oh, not a film. We bring out a podcast uh, every week. Uh, we do it on Wednesday. So uh, be there or be square. You've been watching The Pager Train and we'll see you next time. Sonic boom, we're done. Boom! All right. Thank you so much. Kill the good. Absolutely a riot. Thank you. For <laughs> I'm gracious. busting for the loo. Let me. Oh, please, you must. I've got to do something.